and we're live. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic Shift with me, Rajneel Kamat. And me, Roshni Nair. Well, it's our 20th episode to be precise, mm-hmm. the season finale. In this podcast, we discuss how technology today is going to impact our tomorrow. And we're almost to the words the end of the year and we're doing a roundup of what made technology news and what's going to be the future. We'll just kind of do a wrap up, I guess, uh, on all the many topics we've spoken about. Uh, if there are any of you tuning in just now, uh, we are going to reference past episodes. So we recommend that you kind of go chronologically. Roughly <laughs> 20 episodes. 20. Yeah. Can we be forthright? Like, there were people who didn't want us to stop, but I, I was like, because I think it's, I mean, as a cliche goes, kind of, uh, we want to regroup and come back with season two. And we will be revealing the details in some time to come. But yeah, until then, consider this like a neat little bow on a neat little package for season one. Yes, we're going to be back bigger, better, stronger, more grander, hopefully, and discussing more tech. We're also taking a break, Roshni, very honestly. Mm-hmm. is because the tech industry themselves starts going into hibernation mode these Last couple of weeks or months of the year. We came into this extremely raw and there were some of you rightfully so who like threw brickbacks away (laughs) in the early episodes because we were so like, I'm sorry, but like I can't think of an equivalent. Kavla Mal. So we're going to be discussing our takeaways from this year Mm -hmm. in terms of technology trends that have not only had a key role to play in how we see it in 2023, but also beyond. Yeah, and I think like just right off the bat, there's no denying the fact that by far the biggest disruptor this year has been AI. I hate the word disrupt also because people use it so flippantly. But I think in a matter of a year or something, Rajneel, which is when I think 2022 end is when chat GPT really exploded. And I think less than a year, you're seeing, let's kind of recap. I mean, I'm not going to talk about what Microsoft and OpenAI alone are doing. No, but it was end November last year when we saw chat GPT 3 and upwards and then the releases subsequently. Hmm. And I think that was for the first time that people actually started seeing the magic of AI before their eyes. AI is not new, but I think the the leap, I mean, it's like you blink and you miss it, right? Like at this moment, like while the problem with this bloody topic is when we record, in a matter of a few hours, there may be a, another development and God forbid this becomes dated. But like at the time of recording this, um, Amazon apparently has codenamed its large language model Olympus and it's going to kind of... Uh, use that weave it into all its businesses and uh, OpenAI has announced that it's going to have uh, an AI custom GPT quote-unquote store which is the equivalent of an app store for apps. So pretty much you're going to see an app store for you know AI applications or custom built AI applications and it's going to be the next big thing especially Rajneel because um, try as they might. No, but like, OpenAI already did have these so-called plugins which didn't really go anywhere. That's not a store, man. They just announced the store like yesterday. I mean, yesterday being like this early is like, October. Uh, this early is like November, Apple's, I, uh, Apple's App Store yeah, moment. Yeah, so I mean, we're going we to see... We know in 15 years actually. 
and i think also it's going to i mean we are seeing the revenue sharing disputes with you know the app stores that are there today i foresee like revenue sharing becoming a huge kind of a steeple chase to climb for tech companies because try as they might they are not going to be able to evade issues like copyright and revenue sharing and who belongs to what and who should be paid what for much longer and i i foresee this happening closer in india are you like up to speed with what's uh, going on here so yeah when you when you talk about india i think uh, the year started with the government of india saying that they didn't want to bring about regulation in ai that has obviously changed towards the end of the year as we come towards the end of the year the digital india act hasn't yet seen the light of day but that's where the government aims to regulate ai there's obviously a lot of consumer interest in ai open ai for example bard is seeing a lot of pickup from the tech literate crowd you are now seeing indian entrepreneurs in their second avatars or third avatars or you know uh, bini bansal for example mm. wants to open an ai company bhavi shagarwal wants to open an ai company so you're definitely seeing a lot of interest uh, even amongst indian startups um, it has also gotten into controversy for example because one indian founder spoke about how he used ai to replace his customer service team i think it was sumit shah from dukan and he received a lot of brickbats for that one so yeah we we're, we're seeing uh, it is a euphoria and everybody wants to dip their hands in it i think in india the, the, the what amuses me about india and ai as we are seeing it you know up until november 2023 uh, which is when we are recording this is that we are you know considering what's happening in the world and we are going to come to that very critical segment later which is china the china plus one strategy and the decoupling and india's reinvigorated focus on manufacturing so you know the debate has always been about being a service oriented economy or a manufacturing oriented economy and india and china went in very different directions there and we had a scenario we still do right where india's like we don't want to be so dependent on services anymore we also want to become a manufacturing powerhouse the funny thing about ai is all these guys that are getting into ai today in india are kind of retrenching us even further in that you know services oriented mindset so for example you mentioned bini bansal bini bansal uh, so there was this bloomberg report about how he wants to he's launching an ai as a services startup and it sounds a lot like outsourcing man like um, uh, you know it's scant on details but then apparently he wants to offer quote unquote ai services to like you know the legal industries and financial services and data analytics and certain sectors he wants to focus on sounds a lot like what the big four it firms in india already do speaking of um infosys you know hcl wipro tcs these guys have all tied up with google microsoft nvidia amazon right even amazon and they are also in a kind of a situation where they are like damn we have to like uh kind of inject our offerings if i can call it that with ai and make ourselves more valuable and they are seeing a lot of yeah but a year back they were also trying to figure out how to be metaverse ready so some of them only were publishing glowing reports about how fantastic the metaverse is going to be and the opportunity and what businesses should be doing in the metaverse but you know one thing about the ai boom hmm. is that the angry old man of bollywood is still angry this time over a rashmika mandana or deep fake i am an eternal pessimist when it comes to tech this year has been a 
pardon my French, bunghole for tech. Like, uh, and AI, the reason I'm calling AI bunghole is even though it's the biggest, I think it's the biggest development in terms of the utilitarian uses that we are going to see. I also think the ethical issues that are going to stem from it are going to be unparalleled. And you mentioned deepfakes, uh, but like also, I don't know, AI, India's data regulation record is so sketchy. Right, data privacy is an issue, and I don't know what India is looking at, but I think as of now, I think it is going to be the thing to watch out for. I mean, unfortunately, there's no escaping it. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously going to be very good uses. There are also going to be uses that none of us may want, but we'll have to deal with it. And what you're slowly seeing is that even social media companies mm. are morphing into AI companies. We've discussed this in the past episode about, we, we've actually had two episodes about social media. One where we, you know, Twitter alternative seemed promising. Another, another one was basically about, you know, is social media. Yeah. My view was that it's dead. It still is. You were a little more pragmatic and you were like, it's just what a content platform, which is fine. Yeah. I'm less of a creator on social media or of, on these apps. I'm more of a consumer who's sharing in private, commenting in public or commenting in private. To me, messaging is my new social media where I have my own friend circles, family groups, and, you know, then sharing content inside of it. So, like, you know, you mentioned creator. I I do think, I'm sorry if there are any creators listening, but um, I'm sure... If even if you don't agree a hundred percent, you will agree that the system that enabled you has also deteriorated and kind of like it's no longer as beneficial for you as it was. And I think the creator economy has been pivotal to like the erosion of social media. I read this great story in Wired recently about how millennials have just outgrown social media. And I think it's a very I mean, I know everything we are old AF and it's all about Gen Z and Gen Alpha right now. But you need to realize that when the last, we are the last generation that had one foot in the analog world. And for us, when social, it wasn't social media, it was social networking. And I think for that generation, especially to fall off, um, isn't really surprising. But again, uh, we we discussed this in an episode. Uh, there is data that points to the fact that engagement, even amongst Gen Z users, is tapering off. And if it was, uh, why is it petering off despite these guys like coming up with in-app shopping or monetization or even AI or, you know, Snap has augmented reality. So my point is that Rajneel, I understand that it's a visual medium, but none of it is being able to make people stick. So right? when I was in the gym uh, the other day, huh. there were only young people and I spoke to a couple of them. They all go to college. They are, unlike us who had one foot in the analog world, one in the digital, hmm. they're digital first. And because a lot of their image, therefore, is what they are on digital, either on messaging, ephemeral messaging or on Instagram, for example, how they look really matters and how fit they are really matters. And I can understand why, for example, the US is looking at some of the issues that social media is causing on mental health in terms of body image, right? And this to me is a real eye-opener because maybe if social media was so big when we were in college, we would have thought of it differently too. 
I mean, it was big when we were in college, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I I think the point that really stands out, like what you said, is the very clear distinction between text and uh, visual, right? Like the morphing of a largely text-based medium to visual and how like even that is like, ew. Speaking of visual, media and entertainment, one of my favorite topics nowadays. <laughs> Streaming? streaming so you know i say this right messaging is the new social hmm. and social is the new streaming streaming is the new tv everything <laughs> everything eventually that ends up being dated always comes back yeah and we are uh, the thing with streaming is it's hilarious because uh, i remember like seeing something on twitter i refuse to call it x i uh, remember so- seeing something on twitter a few days ago about, you know, Netflix opening up, you know, Netflix plans to open up a few offline stores to sell like merchandise, merch basically. And Blockbuster Video, who Netflix kind of ran to the ground. And then did a show on. Blockbuster Video quote, quote tweets Netflix, the news about Netflix is, and they're like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, see, the point is that cable is back, baby. Like, Maybe not literally, but you see the business model. Syndication is coming back. We have spoken about how, um, again, it's the the perennial problem in tech is you grow, but to sustain that growth, you need to try 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 things. And everything is about monthly active users and subscribers and this and that. How are you going to get more and more and more and more people? So... Uh, <laughs> Eventually, what it's come down to, Rajneel, is like streaming libraries are, they just resemble your TV networks, you know, your cable TV networks where uh, content was licensed and syndicated from one, you know, media conglomerate to another. So I believe Warner Brothers Discovery, which is like heavily in debt and trying to do everything it can to make money, has licensed like DC titles up until 2022 to Netflix. You would think that because it owns DC, it would be exclusive. But no, because for them, it doesn't make sense to put it behind a wall anymore. Yeah. You know, as early as 2016, I used to say this. Hmm. And I think this primarily came because I was watching uh, House of Cards on Netflix. Hmm. I'm important to remember that till the time 4G didn't come into India in 2016, Hmm. I was effectively watching... House of Cards through other means. And in 2016... What a define other means? I don't want to get into trouble, so let's not get there. <laughs> Even I have used other means. Yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. But uh, since then, and my belief was that content we see made for television hmm. it was actually great for the mobile phone in terms of a screen size. Okay. And huh, OTTs, like the aspect yeah, ratio yeah. and things. And content like that. that OTTs were making, hmm. thinking that they were making it for a mobile first world, was actually fit for television, not mobile. Hmm. And now you're seeing that happen. That's People, a great point. Yeah. Think about this. You're watching a cricket match, which we all used to watching on TV, hmm. on your mobile phone now. I'd gone to this restaurant on in, uh, in DLF Commons. And one of India-Pakistan match, I think, was going on. Hmm. I anyway don't watch cricket. But the uh, table next to ours, the guy was just kept his phone there on mute and just watching it. Right? Yeah, yeah, That's cricket. But you would never watch any show on Netflix like that. Because now, you on Netflix or Disney Hotstar or whatever, hmm. 
on your connected TV, mm-hmm. which has to be at least 43 inches and above. I mean, I'm a poor guy. My 32-inch TV is, but I'm hey, watching, is... I get your point. Like, I'm watching right now. You know what I'm watching right now? Netflix Pop of Girls. Because it's <laughs> such a nice, feel-good thing. And because it's a show from the 90s and early 2000s, yeah. you know, the aspect ratio is not like a streaming aspect ratio. Yeah. So obviously, it's better viewed on the phone. Yeah. But like, speaking about like people watching older content, a lot of the most watched titles are all... older titles <clears throat> can i like did you read lukishaw's column from bloomberg the last column he wrote Which i mean was? early november very interesting so he cited uh, this research from uh, a data provider called digital eye which found that less than 5% of netflix originals are seen by at least 20% of american subscribers just 5% of originals and the reason 20, the 20% is important is because 20% is apparently the threshold to gauge popularity of a show yeah which also affects you know the residual payments that creators and the crew get so just 5% of netflix originals dude and this is the market like us where you know maximum subscribers and yeah. maturity so my belief is that flips in a country like india because what's been driving the growth of OTTs is really originals but wasn't that there at the outset but if you look at the growth of original OTTs in india hmm. they weren't the OTTs that belonged to broadcast except hotstar which was an early mover in that sense but even hotstar orig- initially came on the back of a lot of originals besides pulling in star content into it and like for example it did sarabhai was a sarabhai a season only for ott it didn't even, it wasn't even on tv so originals in but sarabhai was a sarabhai rajneel disney was on tv you know why disney is suffering and especially disney india because once they lost the rights to you know the cricket uh, streaming rights right wasn't not streaming the tv ipl and yeah right their Broadcast subscriber rights. numbers tanked so it's not like even in india people were flocking to disney plus hotstar for original specifically i think they were going for the cricket you're looking at a situation of a mass audience hmm. but a discerning audience was going also for original yeah but the discerning audience is not the majority of your viewers that will never be the case right? right that's never going to be the case anyway in india cricket is always big now jio cinema is making it free for everybody so you're seeing the audience flock there and even then jio cinema has had has a really huge slate of original movies and shows because even they know that cricket will get you the audience but how does that audience stick additional original yeah because content. it's it's not you can't even call you know my problem rajneel with the you know the live sports streaming rush that we've written about also right everybody wants exclusive rights to like you know live sports streaming apple apparently uh, apple is very big on it youtube netflix all these guys you know disney the point is that fine okay you get the rights you pay these insane sums of money to acquire the rights and then once the tournament or the championship or whatever is ended you're completely right like okay what after that yeah you know what i think uh, bob iger ever since he's come back is looking to revamp disney completely hmm. uh, espn is apparently on the is 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 on the block for sale and it is and it is and apple might be interested and a lot of the commentary regarding apple now and this is where we can kind of speak about what we anyway wanted to is apple thinks espn and sports might be great for the apple vision pro and its 
its future or what it's begging its future on which mm. is mixed reality you know what my views on the vision pro are and of uh, for those of you who don't know rajneel's and my views please again go back to the metaverse episode because that's what we're going to talk about now we started with ai which is like arguably the most uh, the biggest disruptor because of its utility value right these two are the polar opposite which is why i think they crashed uh, because i don't think both have use cases per se I know they crashed like last year but I think this was the year where this it was cemented you know with the trial of Sang Bankman-Fried but then also you have Meta unabashedly changed its company after the very thing it wanted to prop up which is metaverse now pivoting to AI and I think there's no be- bigger sign than that Rajneel I don't think it's going to go anywhere in the foreseeable future yeah you know just earlier in the episode we were talking about the big four and how ai is big yeah and as i told you a year back they would have all been jumping about how brands should be uh, present in the metaverse i think the metaverse story isn't yet over and i maybe don't want to call it metaverse i want to look at it from the prism of artificial reality virtual reality and mixed reality augmented reality you mean augmented yeah right, sorry right. Sorry, sir. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> did I call it artificial you, reality? I mean, it's not. It's 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 a Freudian slip because it is artificial reality in a way. <laughs> so, I I want to look at it from that prism. Hmm. I definitely think that usually when Apple enters a market, hmm. they do so with a certain. Uh, they bring a lot of might with them, and they create that market. Think about it. The Apple Watch came much after Android launched Android Wear. Hmm. Yet. Apple can be credited for single-handedly creating a wearables market in that sense. Then it led to more companies doing different things and it's kind of spawned it. So I think we it's still too early to say that the metaverse and mm-hmm. it's in in whatever shape and form is is dead on arrival would be a premature conclusion because Apple's device has not yet become mainstream. See, Apple, again, like yeah, you, I mean, it's they, coming to it later. So technically, Metaverse was dead on arrival. Not necess- I mean, think about it. We today do not have any of the Oculus devices being sold in India. It's currently a very Western nation concept. Right, but also, I mean, why is it so expensive to make, uh, as we discussed in the episode, the Metaverse problem is fundamentally a hardware problem. It is. It is. It is an engineering problem, and if you, unless you can crack that, and not only that, how are you going to achieve scale? Yeah. You can only do that by. I mean, the costs are going to be high initially. I don't foresee Vision Pro having people beyond, let's say, architects or like we, whatever we, using it initially. Yeah, we've written about this in the Signal that whenever there's something where hardware becomes prohibitive, mm-hmm. whether it's costs or otherwise. Exactly. What you're waiting for is the entry of Chinese manufacturers and OEMs hmm. to make it more widely available and therefore more widespread. Yeah. And that's when it starts reaching critical mass. Think of the mobile phone, for example. Uh, yeah. Right? It, it took the Chinese OEMs to really kind of bring that movement. Uh, yeah, they they turn the smartphone from industry. a premium device exactly. to like an absolute necessity, a now. utility, right? Yeah. Uh, think about the smartwatch or the smart band. Again, what was premium is now available in multiple price points, and they're democratizing it in a very big way. So maybe okay, that's interesting. Are you saying that the metaverse will only like become uh, even if not critical mass? 
almost on its way there because I mean to get there it's going to take a Chinese company. Yeah, because in hardware, hmm. China always brings that heft hmm. in their ability to manufacture at scale at a much lower cost than anybody else. Yeah, manufacturing is very interesting because. I mean, at the it has scale, uh, but everybody and their grandmoms and their granddads want to decouple from it. Now, and, from China, yeah. <laughs> and the problem is, it's like such a codependent relationship because you want to like get the fuck out of there, but you can't like. Oh God! I've got all my saman in this person's house. Tim <laughs> Cook has already made two so visits much. to China already. <laughs> He's only made one visit to India, but two visits to China. Do you think India is going to like reap any significant dividends from this China plus one strategy? Yeah, you know, I think my biggest regret this year is that I didn't invest in the shares of a company called Dixon Technologies. Okay. Okay. I just want to give you a comparison that the sh- price of the share mm. in the month of uh, in May mm. they were roughly about two thousand eight hundred rupees. Okay, mm. and there was a time where they've been trading at like 5500 bucks right and that's really the story of indian manufacturing today there is a lot of buzz a lot of euphoria apple is manufacturing the iphones in india google recently announced that they were manufacturing the pixels in india they launched a really tacky campaign with uh, <laughs> nil kapoor I think the ads were good, but their sponsorship of coffee with Karan is really bad. Okay, okay. but anyway, uh, you have the report which said that the government is trying to ensure Tesla can manufacture in India and bring out a policy right before the elections. Ha! I believe, but they want to uh, wait until after the elections are over or something because Tesla wants a whole bunch of like customs duties to be waived. Yeah, off. but the the latest report I think, which ET reported, was saying that they might categorize EVs as a separate. From normal ICT, I mean, ICE, what, ICE vehicles, yeah. That's what Tesla wants, and India's like, no, this is still a luxury vehicle. So but for an election, you want to show manufacturing and jobs both are coming, no? Okay, so here is my kind of uh, wah, wah, take on Indian manufacturing. I'm not saying that we are not benefiting from it. Of course, we are. The problem with this narrative and what not just the center, but also like a lot of reports. would like us to believe is that india is the biggest beneficiary it is not so there was this really great uh, bloomberg analysis from a while ago which we curated in the newsletter by the way guys our newsletter is called the signal please go and read uh, subscribe for free <laughs> so uh this really interesting analysis about how you know what are the five the top five quote unquote connector countries that are benefiting the most from the china decouplement India is not in that list, by the way. The five countries are Vietnam, Poland, Indonesia, Mexico, and Morocco. This is super interesting, Rajneel, because what these five countries have and India does not is a they either have they they either have a lot of mineral wealth or natural resource wealth. And when I say natural resource, I mean like the components that are going to go into your EVs and your batteries, right? Like stuff like cobalt, lithium, phosphate. um the raw materials for the next gen technology they either rich in that or b they have factory infrastructure that is much better than india we are definitely better than what we were but we are nowhere close to but vietnam i'm going to say this in hindi aake bechna idhar hi hai na 
सबसे ज्यादा लोग तो इधर ही है द डायलेमा अबाउट इंडिया इज यू हैव द नंबर्स बट द बाइंग द परचेसिंग पावर ऑफ एन इंडिविजुअल इंडियन इज स्टिल बाय द वे लेस देन योर एवरेज वियतनामीज या बट इट्स इट्स एक्सपेक्टेड टू ग्रो क्वाइट अ बिट इन द नेक्स्ट 10 इयर्स यू लुक एट सम ऑफ द रिपोर्ट्स दैट वी आर सीइंग the growth of the middle class hmm. and therefore their ability to buy stuff is increasing why is apple who maybe a decade back sold only a million devices or much lesser than that actually now able to sell 10x that number in 10 years i'll tell you why i don't think it is about purchasing power I, I, as much as it is the availability of easy credit and that is what like that it's it's got even the reserve bank of india concerned that a lot of indians are living on increasing a record number of indians are living on debt it is so easy but that's par for the course when you think of development no but rajneel i mean the argument that we can afford to buy iphones in 2023 versus like let's say 2020 doesn't hold because the you know what everybody is still paying emis for that one damn iphone which is increasingly expensive but we are paying emis for a lot of things not just an iphone yeah but what i'm saying is the purchasing power hai but i'm i'm saying if you compare us to like other countries even in southeast asia we are still not on par morocco i was really surprised to read about morocco becoming a manufacturing hub because it's rich in phosphate and it's got a lot of free trade agreements uh with europe and us and it has these waivers that india does not poland is a i didn't know it is so interesting poland is apparently the second largest uh battery producer after china uh mexico has the advantage of being very close to the us so a lot of your american companies not american companies canadian also want to uh manufacture in mexico because it's just geographically so convenient so it's i'm it, um, i mean will india become a manufacturing powerhouse i don't think so when i say powerhouse i mean like china level will it benefit yes i just think we're going to see more fragmentation of manufacturing globally yeah so, i mean i think ultimately if you want to service the indian market then you'll think of manufacturing here only yeah but then also we need to be more like business friendly if i can call it that right yeah. we still aren't we're already seeing projections now of what will happen if the current government loses the election Hmm. versus what will happen if they win the election acha impact on markets and things like that so that is the we'll that is the every course. elections like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this has been an interesting episode we've discussed the future of manufacturing in india we've spoken about is metaverse still dead or is there a future we dead, have dead, dead. Um, i think differently <laughs> we've spoken about streaming and how social media might perhaps be the new streaming and finally one thing that seems to rule all of this is ai we've also been getting a lot of feedback throughout this entire first season some good some bad somewhere in between <laughs> but many of y'all loved the podcast we did on dating the episode we did on dating yeah like i think that is our most heard episode but one of my favorite comments is the ai Uh, will AI kill entertainment one i had a lot of fun personally recording that episode but uh, thank you abhi for your comment um please don't bleep this because it's really nice yeah. i mean he he said gfard episode fire emoji fire emoji fire emoji but we we know like what that means in the in our fifth episode which was about health tech also one of our most disliked episodes um comment from hawk It feels like you guys are immensely obsessed with Mama companies. For those wondering, Mama is the new Fang, which is Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, 
which is the other M, Meta, Meta. and Netflix. Alphabet. This Mama Company sound like Lala Companies. Yeah, and Hawk is like, for once, talk about someone else. I get that they lead in most AI-oriented field, but there are many others in different countries. Hawk, we will take a more India-focused approach uh, pretty soon, but I'm sorry, dude. Like, it's an episode about AI. We can't not talk about Mama. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. We also did an episode on EdTech and somebody said... What's great is that this podcast not only talks about my favorite topic, but also casually bitches about my former company. <laughs> Thank you. And do write in to us and tell us what you love and what you hate. And if you're indifferent, please let us know that also. <laughs> yes. And if you've stuck on with us so far, mm-hmm. thank you so much for making us a part of your information diet and listening to us every week that we've been on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're definitely going to be back again, mm-hmm. bigger, better, with a bang, to discuss all of these topics and more in Season 2. Uh, this podcast would not have been possible without uh, our producer, Shorbury, who also helps us week in and week out with the research. We have Manas and Nirvan on the sound, uh, Purvika on the artwork, original music by Harshwardhan Singh. Thank you for listening in and giving us all your support in Season 1. Look forward to having you with us again in Season 2. Have a good year ahead.